Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. Today is another AMA episode, that is, Ask Me Anything. I love to answer your questions, and if you have a question you think is going to be of broad interest, send it in. I'll answer it live on the air. Send your questions to Victor at VictorJM.com. That's Victor at VictorJM.com. Today's question comes from Chris in New York. He writes, what are your thoughts in today's market on taking on bridge financing when acquiring a multifamily asset that has a capital expenditure renovation plan? My team is finding ourselves having to go this route because A, the assets we're finding in underwriting have a debt service coverage ratio that's not at levels required to support traditional debt sources, or B, the owner's property trailing 12-month financials are not clear enough to be considered a stabilized asset. I received a term sheet similar to the one below. This is a bridge loan that would fund the project during the renovation, and then it would be replaced by permanent financing once it's stabilized. In this case, the lender is a debt fund. It would be non-recourse debt with an interest rate around 4.5%. It would have a three-year term with two optional one-year extensions with a fee associated with each extension. The loan-to-cost ratio would range somewhere between 75 to 80%. Well, Chris, this is a great question. The bridge loan that you're being quoted seems to have pretty good terms on the surface. However, most bridge loans are not fixed interest rate loans. They're usually quoted as a variable loan with an offset from LIBOR with a floor. For example, it might be LIBOR plus 3% with a floor of 45 or something like that. The rate you mentioned is probably the lowest rate, and as interest rates rise over the next two to three years, I would expect you would exceed the floor. I would definitely model the impact of rising rates to make sure that you don't end up upside down. You are correct that a project that is currently experiencing negative cash flow would not qualify for permanent financing. They generally want to see a stabilized history and a debt coverage ratio of at least 1.2. But most value-add projects require funding for the improvements that are separate from the permanent loan. Many lenders, including many conventional lenders, have a purchase plus improvements loan product that has a construction loan for a period of a year or more as an interest-only loan, and then it converts to a permanent financing. Those permanent loans usually come with a five-year term and sometimes even with a seven-year term. The biggest question for you to answer is how long will the improvements take? That's going to be a function of how many apartments are currently vacant and how many need to be renovated. I'm assuming you're buying the property in an environment that's fairly landlord-friendly where you'll have the flexibility of moving tenants around in the same complex, perhaps with an incentive to enable the occupied units to be renovated. The hardest value-add projects are those that have too few vacancies. In some ways, the ideal scenario is a completely empty building. That way, you can get in, reconstruct, and get out in the shortest amount of time possible. Understanding the dynamics of your renovation timeline is the critical component. In some cases, it makes sense to acquire a partially completed project where the previous owners were only successful in improving a fraction of the units before they ran out of time or patience. The benefit of a construction to perm loan is that you know what your borrowing costs will be. You're going to rate lock at the beginning of the term. That's very important in a rising interest rate environment. The drawbacks are that the loan will usually be with a local bank, and that means they're going to want personal guarantees. The bridge loan you quoted is being quoted as a non-recourse loan, but here too, that loan will require some guarantees. You will be still required to sign a completion guarantee, even in a non-recourse bridge loan. So during construction, the loan is still a recourse loan. The way we reduce our personal exposure during that phase of a project is to ensure that our general contractor is bonded and there's a payment and performance bond covering the general contractor. That transfers the risk of the completion guarantee from the borrower to the general contractor. That's a very important step in the process when you're looking for non-recourse debt. 
The second drawback of the construction to perm loan is that you will have a prepayment penalty to terminate that five-year term early. The prepayment penalty is usually a sliding scale of, for example, 5% of the loan value in year one, 4% in year two, 3% in year three, and so on, declining to zero at the end of the term. If you're looking for a refinance as an interim exit, the five-year term on the loan could be a complication, but sometimes you can convince the same lender to reevaluate the loan, maybe at year two in the term, and increase the loan amount by attaching a second loan in second lien position behind their senior loan in order to get a higher loan to value with the stabilized product. Strictly speaking, it's not a refinance. It's increasing the loan to value ratio without triggering a prepayment penalty on your senior loan. We've successfully used that approach on a few buildings that we completed in Philadelphia. When I see investors undertake a value-add project, the biggest mistakes I see involve the assumptions in the underwriting. I see budgets that focus on the interior of each unit and they underestimate the cost of the common elements. If the parking lot needs to be repaved or a roof needs to be replaced, do you maybe have old water heaters or old air conditioners or windows? All of these can add up significantly and they don't frankly add a lot of value in terms of increasing your rent. But they should go into your capital expense budget and you should not aim to pay them out of your monthly maintenance budget. You don't want years of deferred maintenance hitting your monthly expenses. You want to make sure that you allocate enough money in the renovation project for all of that deferred maintenance and you deal with it up front. Second mistake I see investors make is having too optimistic a cap rate for the finished product. Many lenders will take a more conservative view of valuation and you need to validate your cap rate assumptions with the lender and an appraiser before you go too deep in the process. And while I'm seeing very aggressive cap rates in the marketplace today, in many cases I find them too rich to be believable or sustainable in the long term. So you want to take a very conservative approach in your cap rate assumptions. Hopefully that gives you a helpful perspective. I want to thank you, Chris, for an awesome question. For the listeners at home, have a fantastic rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.